You're listening to the Writers Off The Page podcast. Here's your host, writer, reader, journalist, and lover of soy latte, Sinead Maripodi. Hello everyone and thanks for joining me for Writers Off The Page, where we chat books, writing and publishing with those in the know. I'm always fascinated by picture books, in particularly how things work when it's written and illustrated by two different people. The Garden at the End of the World is a gorgeous new picture book written by Cassie Polamini and illustrated by Bryony Stewart. I'm thrilled to be joined by both of them today. Cassie and Bryony, welcome to Writers Off The Page. Hello. Thanks for having us. Now, Cassie, I'm going to start with you. This is your debut picture book. Congratulations. How's it all been? Thank you. It's been amazing and surreal. I'm just coming to the end of the first month of it being out in the world. So it it does feel real. I've seen it in lots of places now. And um, yeah, it's been great. Bit of a pinch yourself moment, seeing it on shelves. Yeah, definitely. And seeing people's photos drift in from sort of um, different parts of Australia and kids reading it and on bookshops that I've never even been to has been quite exciting. Before we get too far into things, I'll get you to tell people a little bit about the story premise. What's it about? Yeah, sure. Um, It's about Isla and her mother. Um, Isla's mother's a botanist and they find something special um, in a forest near their garden and they take it on an adventure to the Global Seed Vault to protect it for future generations. So it's a bit of a fairy tale adventure based on a real place. Where did that initial seed of an idea come from? I feel funny using the word seed since we're actually talking about a seed vault. <laughs> had to be done. Um, there's plenty, plenty of puns to be had. Um, I have always been quite fascinated by Norway. I spent a little bit of time there um, on a student exchange a while back. So anytime anything set in in Norway comes up, my ears sort of prick up. And there was during lockdown in Melbourne, um, there was a documentary that was showing a food and travel show where Adam Liao went inside the Global Seed Vault. And it was the first time I'd heard about it. It was the first time I'd sort of seen inside and seen what it takes to get there. And I was just, I just thought it was the most magical place. It sounded like somewhere that uh, was made up, but it was real. So that really kind of hooked me in. That's what got the story started. Have you since made it over to the Seed Vault? Is it something that the public can go to or is it quite exclusive? Uh, it, uh, when the documentary was shot, um, the media were, were allowed in at different times, but I've noticed I think lately it's, um, whether that's a COVID thing or something else, it's back to just being, um, I guess, the scientists and the engineers who are involved. You can do a trek, and I actually know someone who's going on a trek up to the door of the vault, um, so you can go to Svalbard and you can see sort of the surroundings, but as far as I know, you can't go in at the moment. I'd love to go back there. Um, when I was in Norway, the vault actually hadn't been built yet. It was built in 2008. I was there a few years before that. So um, one day I've got to go there and put the book on the doorstep. That's crazy. It's not <laughs> definitely not the same. The one in um, Norway sounds much more magical, but Perth actually has its own seed vault. It's it's much smaller and it's just yeah. inside a building. There is no trek across the Arctic yeah. to get there or anything <laughs> exciting, but if you want to start small, just build yes. your way up. <laughs> yeah, maybe a tour of sea vaults of the world and, and ending in Svalbard. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> now, you've worked as a freelance editor, a travel writer, magazine editor and a TV book reviewer. How did writing a picture book compare? Um, I don't know. In some ways, I think all my or most of my jobs and definitely the jobs I've loved the most have kind of circled around writing. So that's something I always come back to. And in other ways, especially when you're picking up with something that you were interested in a long time ago, like for me, Norway, you can sort of see everything kind of thread together and and tell yourself a story of how things all 
you know, came to this moment. Um, but they've all been they've all been different for different stages of my life. This really works for me now. Um, you know, I have a young daughter, so I've been really enjoying picture books again. Um, it's been something I can do with the way my life is now around freelance work and and parenting. So there's that. Um, and then just in the kind of general arc of things, it's, yeah, it's writing again, it's telling stories and narratives and finding new ways to do that. And I feel like I've learned a lot in the intervening years. I've been studying writing for a long time, but um, it's only in the last few years I think that I've really gotten a bit more committed to it um, in terms of fiction anyway and um, and understanding what makes it work and what makes a good story. So I'm excited to be doing that again. Was this the first picture book that you tried to write? Uh, no, it wasn't the first. It was probably um, I probably in the first dozen um, and I've since written a couple of dozen more. But I think it was the one, I think just the story and the um, what was behind it, I guess, that resonated. Um, and I think because I, I won a pitching competition which encouraged me sort of early on to continue it, it was the one I probably developed the most at that point. Getting it across the line to get it published, was it a cruisy path to publication or was it a bit of a push? It didn't feel cruisy, but having been on the other side of it, um, it seems relatively simple compared to what the process has been since then. So I um, entered a really great pitching competition called Just Right for Kids Pitch It. It's run annually. Um, and having I won that and then was able to get my work uh, straight in front of a publisher, which was Claire Hume at UQP. Um, and she gave me some really detailed notes and we worked on it together. And then after a couple of months of that, the contract was offered. So that was actually, in retrospect, yeah, quite a smooth wow. It hasn't been that simple since. That's incredible. So the pitching event, obviously, just having that opportunity to talk to somebody face-to-face, would you say? Yeah, well, having, I mean, getting, skipping the slush pile, I didn't have any sort of connections in that way. So skipping the slush pile, actually getting your work read by a publisher and having them give you detailed notes and and work on it. I mean, there was no guarantee of publication, but um, because they were interested in the story and we were able to develop it together, it did end up being, yeah, getting across the line there. Now, Bryony, you've been sitting there quietly waiting. Thank you. Listening, listening with interest. (laughs) Now, this is Cassie's debut, but it's certainly not yours. You are the author and the illustrator of several award-winning books for children, including the Kamiko and the the Dragon series and We Love You, Magoo, which was a CBCA early childhood honour book for 2020. How does it work, focusing specifically on you as an illustrator, how does it work? Are you approached by publishers for specific projects do you get to say yay or nay what happens yeah so usually um a publisher will approach me or my agent um they obviously would sort of have an idea of the kinds of things that I do and would be I guess interested in what I bring to the project or kind of have a feeling that they know what what I would sort of do with it um and so I get sent a manuscript and I read it and yeah I basically get to say whether or not I'm interested in um illustrating it if I you know have ideas and usually for me if I read something and I love it straight away and I can already see images that's a good sign that I probably um will say yes because it's quite hard once you start getting ideas of what you'd like to do is something to then be like, uh, but you know what? No. <laughs> so, yeah. Do so, you yeah, ever, do you ever turn to... projects down or is it just that realistic thing of a job's a job, in particularly in this industry where it is all quite uncertain? 
Um, well, I've been I've been really lucky. I'm kind of in a place now where, yeah, I do, I do turn things away. I have said no to quite a few projects and manuscripts that have come my way. Um, definitely it used to be in the past it would be a job's job because, you know, they've already gone through the process of being vetted by a publisher. So they're always great and exciting. Um, but, yeah, now I, I do have to be a little bit more picky and a bit more careful with my time and so usually it's a matter of um, finding things obviously that I really love and that I think are great um, but also uh, you know that have something about them that is kind of a new interesting opportunity because um, because I write as well one of the great things about collaborating that I love is getting to illustrate the kinds of things that I would never write um, all the kinds of stories that I hadn't thought of writing. So, yeah, so that's a really exciting part of that is like, oh, okay, I wonder what I could do with this. So I've been quite varied. If you look at the different books I've done from sort of silly comedy, Jimmy Reeves style, cartoony kind of books to, you know, your more sort of poetic, moody um, books like Cheryl Clark's first novel. Um, I'm quite diverse, but, you know, I think as an illustrator that's, that's a really exciting thing when you get to take on really different projects. What appealed to you about the garden at the end of the world? I mean, the title had me at the beginning. <laughs> I said that to to Claire Hume. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, and then I read it and, yeah, I really loved it. I loved the kind of um, poetic tone, the kind of classic um, story kind of tone that it had. Um, and I love the subject matter. My dad is a histologist. He worked for 32 years in the zoology department at UWA. So I grew up around scientists and science projects and conservation projects as well. And my husband is a plant biologist. Um, he has a PhD in um, fungi. <laughs> so um, so all of that, you know, it, it's a subject matter that, you know, I just I felt was so important. And I think the way that Cassie focused on the the kind of hopeful side of you know here are people here are scientists working to do things um you know for us as a planet that you know is beyond politics beyond you know um nobody necessarily asked them to do it but they're they're doing the work to kind of preserve and conserve and I I really love that and I think they're unsung heroes so um yeah I thought the book was special. So what do you get from I'm assuming it's the publisher that you're liaising with do you just get purely the text do you get illustration notes or anything like that when you start a project um usually it varies usually I don't get any notes um I think Cassie had a few on hers but I, I try not to read those actually when I first <laughs> sorry Cassie when I first get a manuscript because <laughs> I I think something as an illustrator that's really really valuable and I've you know, after illustrating many books, I've come to see that sometimes those are the first ideas that flash into your mind. They're really powerful. And um, so I really like to try and do a reading of a manuscript to see what jumps out at me, not necessarily what's literally in the text, but also the kind of undertone and the mood or, you know, the layers that you could add to that. So, um, yeah, so I just get a manuscript and um, without without notes, I then went back and read some of Cassie's notes to kind of see what she was thinking. And, yeah, and then you just um, have to just start making some sketches and, and send them off to publisher and say, this is what I'm thinking of. These are my ideas. Um, this is what I would like to do with the book and then and go from there, I guess. 
So you do send a sample first rather than just crossing your fingers and going going hell for leather with the whole project. Yeah, I mean, usually you would send I, I, I send some sketches to Claire and um and you make a kind of a bit of a dummy. But I mean, usually by the stage that you've said yes and the publisher has picked you, um, I've worked with with Claire Hume before um and we know each other. And so I think, you know, we already both kind of knew that it was like going to go ahead. It was mostly just um yeah, seeing I guess what I do with it. But um what's really nice is, you know, Claire and UQP, they're they're wonderful. They 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 really trust their creators a lot with with the process. And so usually it's after you've done the first draft, that's when they'll come back with comments and thoughts and it's all constructive about um, you know, the really technical aspects, because I think a lot of people don't realise that illustrators usually have quite a lot to do with the pagination of a picture book. And um, I think because once you add illustrations, the pacing can kind of change and it's much easier to see it kind of and visualise it at working as a picture book once you've got the first sketches. Um, and I think, I can't remember, I think Cassie got to see a sort of very, very early draft when we were sort of figuring that out and um yeah I'm not sure how that was for her um because generally you don't really talk a lot to the author it sort of all goes through the publisher and so you know I just be like oh, I hope Cassie likes it I hope it's, I hope it's kind of doing what she wants with with her story so what did you get to see Cassie what stage were you brought in I think the first, I was trying very hard to, you know, be professional and obviously I was not going to be um, talking to Bryony about the art at all, but I did, once I found out she was on board, I did really want to um, get in touch. I think we started following each other on Instagram and had little unrelated chats about lockdown and things like that. But, um, yeah, there was never uh, absolutely respected the process of it and I can understand, you know, obviously why that is there, of it going through the publisher. But I did get to see... Um, I think it was the roughs. Is that what you're talking about? The thumbnail roughs? Yeah. So that yeah. was the first thing I saw. And that was just really cool. They were, I remember Claire saying too that they were more um uh like fleshed out than roughs normally would be. So they were quite um, you know, developed and there was colour in there and you could really see what was what what it was gonna be. And it was just exciting for me to see, you know, people that I'd made up sort of made real. Um, and that was the first time my daughter, who I think she she must have been about two when I started writing, which was maybe three by then, um, and I'd read her the story and she wasn't that interested, but once <laughs> we had roughs to go through together and she would look at them on the screen with me and turn the pages, press the button, and she loved that. And from then on she started calling it the Isla book and she asked about it and she remembers all of that because she will ask me about things that ended up being cut or lines that got cut um, so she really remembers that and that was when she started getting interested and that was really nice to see it becoming a book sort of slowly. So, yeah, yeah I was I, always just excited by that. I um I did do the roughs quite, I, I added colour. Normally that's a sort of later phase, but I felt for this book um, the, the mood and the light and the colour was going to be really, really important. One of the early questions was, you know, should this be set in an Arctic winter? Will it be too dark? Will it be too heavy? Will there be any colour at all? And I was like, yes, you know, winter can be so colourful. So I just really wanted to sort of show how we could actually make it a really bright and, and kind of colourful, interesting book, even though it was set in in the sort of Arctic winter in Svalbard. So that's why I sort of, um, yeah, added, added a lot of colour and, and stuff early on. It must be really a funny feeling, particularly with your debut picture book, Cassie. I know I think maybe 
when you get like used to you've got a few picture books you trust the process and you know how it all comes together or maybe it's the same feeling if you're working with a different illustrator but when you're working when it's such a solitary project originally and you're doing the words and you've got images in your head then handing it over and just having that knowledge of I just need to trust the process and just know that whatever comes out is it's going to be beautiful it's going to be great and what what is going to sell but it must have been so nerve-wracking just waiting to see whether it would match the idea that you had in in your head because I've even thought with I don't write picture books but with novels I don't particularly describe my characters at all I've realized but it turns out I've got quite a clear idea of what they look like because if someone were to draw them I'd go oh no it's they don't look like that they don't look like that at all it's just in my head did were you anxious I wouldn't, I think that most anxious thing for me was, and not even anxious, just impatient is because it takes such a long time, obviously, to, and there's, you know, and everyone has other projects going on in the background. So it's not like it's it's even just this book taking this long. We're waiting. Publisher has other books. Bryony had other books. So there's long gaps of, of things not happening. And I think that was the hardest thing for me is just being impatient and excited to see what was happening next. Um, but I think, and I think that, I mean, that could be hard, I guess, if you were, um, uncertain about um kind of working together but I, I was never like as soon as I saw anything Bryony had done I was really happy with even even the things that varied and I have trouble remembering some of those now the things that varied from what I imagined you know I loved what she'd done with it so I was always just really excited to see how she imagined it and things like the um debating the arctic winter I really wanted the northern lights to be in there somewhere but I wasn't sure if they would be like a flashback or a something Isla was imagining so that discussion about whether it was um because I remember Claire raised the question early on will we be able to you know if it's the arctic winter that you can't see anything it's completely dark um so I was really glad when when Bryony put the case for that because I was open to either way as long as we get the northern lights, you know, I just. I was like, um, you're not going all the way up to Svalbard and you're not showing the northern lights. Exactly. No, that's not yeah. happening. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> well, if it, if it has to be a flashback or, you know, something like that. But uh, the way it, so it turned out was so beautiful. And that that kind of really rich blue that Brian has got throughout and then bringing the cyanotypes in with the um, the plants and using that sort of blue. It's just, yeah, it's worked beautifully. So I would never, I mean, that's beyond my kind of imagination and, and obviously skill set. So I was just really interested to see what she brought to it. Um, it wasn't so much. And I think maybe with novels you're with the characters for a lot longer. I don't know that I had a particular, if I imagined Isla and a mother at all, I was probably thinking of me and my daughter. <laughs> and funnily enough, two people have said to me, did Bryony base Isla on Billy? And I said, no, I don't think she's even seen Billy or had seen Billy. But a couple of people have commented to me that certain pictures reminded them of my daughter. Yeah, so no, I think funny. certain pictures do. I did see her because we were following each other on Instagram. So okay. um, I think there was I even wonder. I haven't met Billy, but I've seen <laughs> Billy in photos. And I was like, oh, she does remind me of the little oh, girl. Really? And what a beautiful thing to yeah. have for the family. Yeah. So at what stage, so you did follow each other on social media. At what stage did were you allowed to have proper <laughs> chats about the book? <laughs> Look, I don't think there's really any rules. I think all publishers are, are slightly different, but there's never any rules in the contract saying you can't <laughs> chat to each other. Um, but a lot of publishers do really like to be the go-between because they like to be included in the process and, you know, they're they're the ones that are really skilled at, I guess, navigating and guiding projects through. So, um yeah, I think it's just a thing early on. I think uh, as an illustrator as well, you um, 
you you feel the weight already of of somebody's project and and their hopes and their dreams of you know this being a great book so you have to kind of just go into your shell a little bit and kind of just be like la 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 I'm just gonna make something here and then um once you sort of you know send it to the publisher that's when you're ready for feedback and to start kind of properly collaborating but I mean I I always love getting cheeky dms from people i'm working with it's nice to get to know the people you're working with especially when um you you know you're not in the same state or anything i had a very weird experience um last year when i i turned up to the prime minister's literary awards with cheryl clark we were both shortlisted it was the first time we'd ever met or even chatted that we'd worked with UQP on that book and we'd never met we'd never chatted and we won this prize together and it was the most bizarre amazing (laughs) first meeting of someone you've made a book with um ever so I think it's nice if you get some um in the lead up because obviously when when once the book comes out it's really nice if you can work together to market and promote the book and yeah I think I think it yeah I think it's you know a thing we'll always have we'll always be partners in this book forever our names will be together on on a shelf so yeah I have to ask you about the end pages because I've only just started really paying attention to end pages and appreciating what goes into them get you to describe them to people because you'll do a much better job than I will Bryony what's on the end pages um so the end papers are um uh cyanotypes so it's a kind of old-fashioned um printmaking process it was kind of the early early photography when they were developing photography um and I kind of knew really early on that I wanted to incorporate cyanotypes because um as soon as you sort of look at them or think of of them the color is such a, a wintry cold um kind of tone and um and then also to sort of double in um it was the first way that that um early sort of biologists like Anna oh, I've got her last name um that they actually documented plants and they're actually quite important in biology um these early cyanotypes of plants so um yeah it, it really fit in with the idea of of documenting and conserving and understanding our world um and it had the wintry colors so it pretty much a new straight away I wanted to use them and kind of base the actual color palette of the book on on that color so um yeah, I was really, I was really glad because um, I wasn't sure. You know, it's one of those early ideas that you have, and I'm like, I'm going to do cyanotypes, and um, and the publisher's like, Oh, okay, what are they? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm glad, it, I'm glad it worked out. What a beautiful book to take into schools. Just hearing, like, the garden at the end of the world, like you said, the title itself, it just sounds so magical. And when you're thinking of seeds by themselves, I don't think. I don't think the thought process goes as far as having a vault that's this secret little vault where seeds are hidden. It's just incredible. It's going to, I think, get quite a workout in classrooms around Australia. I hope so, yeah. I um, I think I was just, when I started writing it, I was just focusing on my own kind of wonder that a place like this existed. But that is, yeah, that is something that came out of it. I thought it is, a lot of people have said to me, and adults as well, I didn't even know this place was was there. So it's it's a really interesting thing that's been going along in the background, and um and has a lot to teach us, I guess. And it does have a lot um of resonance with themes of, you know, people being anxious about, especially kids being anxious about climate change, and and this being something that is um 
you know, not to take all the pressure off, but this being something that is being done that, that they can be reassured by and just, you know, excited by. So what's next for each of you? Cassie, you've got your first book out. Are there, are there more on the horizon? Not yet. So that was the um, what I was talking about before with the uh, I don't know beginner's luck or just hit the right the right story at the right time. Um, and I haven't had that since. So I've written uh, a lot more picture books, which are out looking for homes. I've written a middle grade novel, and I did a mentorship with the Australian Society of Authors last year, which was great to help me develop that. And that is out on submission as well. So it's just um, watch this space. Excited to see. And Bryony, what have you got? Um, well, this has been a little bit of a, a crazy pitch book year. I have a, a really cute baby book coming out with another um, debut author called Hayley Rawthorne. It's really, really ultra sweet and um, I think I cried making <laughs> it. So um, I'm really excited for that one to come out. And um, at the end of the year, I've got a book coming out called Gymnastica Fantastica, which I wrote an illustrated that's kind of in a similar vein to Magoo. It's it's an early childhood rhyming, fun, romping kind of picture book. Um, so I'm really excited for that one too. And then um, the rest of this year I am actually doing a lot more writing. So I've sort of been doing a lot more illustrating the last few years. It was a lot easier with young children. And now I'm entering um, a, a phase of a lot more writing. So, again, watch this space as well to see what, what comes out of that. I'm excited to see in the last couple of events that I've seen you present at, you've sung at each event. So I can only <laughs> assume what's to come. <laughs> I'm getting a reputation for singing badly at CBCA events. I don't know what has come over me because that would be like my most mortifying idea ever just a couple of years ago. I think I've, I'm, I'm approaching 40 and so I'm like, you know what? Stop it. Can. It's just going to be a weirdo in public now. So yeah. It's actually it terrifying though, being an author in the audience because I'm like, Oh my God, if I ever present at one of these things, Briny sings. I'm I'm gonna have to sing or I'm gonna have to dance. I'm gonna have to do something. I just I just can't do that. That's too stressful. This is this is what has happened because I've been to too many CBC events and you know, you've you've got Meg McKinley, you've got Amanda Betts, you've got all these amazing people that have done these amazing things. James Foley, how can I compete for her, you know, charisma and humor with James? So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to do something different. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah singing with a, a, a child's pink keyboard was the thing that I like <laughs> best thing I've ever seen <laughs> well Cassie and Bryony thank you so so much for joining me today the book is called The Garden at the End of the World and I do hope people snap it up quickly thanks so much Jenna. thank you thanks for having us and thank you for listening to the Writers Off The Page podcast. Make sure you check out the back catalogue and while you're there, I'd love it if you left a rating or review. It helps other people discover the podcast. If there's an author you want me to chat to or you just want to say hi, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Shanae Maripodi. That's C-H-E-N-E-E. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.